You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. We're talking with Dr. David Rice about how we use behavioral styles to build a better relationship with our employees and our patients. Dr. Rice established and runs a comprehensive dental practice that emphasizes sedation dentistry, dental implants, general dentistry, and cosmetic dentistry. David, it's a pleasure to have you back on Dental Talk. Hey, it's a pleasure to be back, Phil. So I hope the title of this podcast gets some attention because it's a little bit out of the ordinary, Dentistry in the Dating Game. So let's get right to it. What is dentistry in the dating game? Um, Tell us what that's about and tell us about these behavioral styles that you mentioned earlier. You know, I, I try to, as I, as I teach, try to make things really relatable to life. So the concept of dentistry in the dating game is that, you know, at the end of the day, besides the clinical space that we live in and we're helping people, you know, our success really gets defined by our ability to build great relationships. So there's, there are, you know, there are lots of ways to do that. There are lots of things to focus on. But one of the greatest uh, systems that we invested a lot of time in in my practice and we invest a lot of time in when we work with our young dentists is uh, behavioral styles. And, and there are a lot of systems out there to assess a behavioral style. So Myers-Briggs is one. There's one called DISC. There's one called FISH. But in essence, each one of those assessments can help us understand four major styles that exist and all people. And, and as we understand um, who somebody is, it helps us to understand how they think and how they make decisions so we can be more relatable to them and build a, a better relationship more quickly. Because I think, um, you know, we could all agree in dentistry that the game is different today. You know, we don't have a decade to build a relationship with somebody in order to help them get great care. You know, in two years or three years, people are mobile. They're, they often don't even live mm-hmm. around yeah. our practice Without anymore. a doubt. So, Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us some of the big differences between each of those four styles. Sure. I think, you know, on a, on a 30,000 foot view, on a really high level, some of the, I, I guess maybe the, the biggest difference between styles are, you know, there's a segment of the population that looks at the world and believes that I have power over this world. I have the ability to have influence. I have the ability to sort of control my destiny and shape the world around me. And then there's another segment, another half of the world that looks at it and says, you know, the world is so powerful. It has control over me. It shapes my future. Mm-hmm. So as you know, we assess um, everybody on our team to try to better understand each other. And as we look at our patients to try to figure out who they are, you know, we need to figure out, is this a patient or a teammate who, who believes they have some control? You know, are they a talker, a question asker? Or is this somebody who feels like, boy, I'm just living in this world and it, and, and, and I'm, I'm a small cog in this wheel and, and I'm just kind of a, a bystander in it. And, and we have to figure out who each person is so we can help them um, understand what we're trying to share the world of dentistry, which is, you know, not everybody's wheelhouse like it is ours. So, yeah, that's a, that's very interesting. So let me ask you this. How does a dental practice um... Once they have a feel for this information, 
affect their approach to their patients and their employees? How do they use this information? On the team side, although we don't assess people as we hire, you know, there are certainly questions that we can ask that help us understand who people are. But think about, you know, think about your dental team and and, and a lot of dental practices. Um, it's not that we hire bad people. We just put the wrong person in the, you know, we maybe we put the right person in the wrong seat. So mm-hmm. if if we're hiring somebody who's going to work uh, on our administrative team, for example, and they're going to be um, the very first person somebody sees when they walk in, or they're going to be someone who's on the phone, they had better be people people as opposed to task-driven people. Mm, on the, you know, on the, on the flip side, if we hire somebody who, who's going to, you know, do our books and they're also on our administrative team, we really need them to be, you know, task-oriented people so they can dot every I and cross every T and not necessarily be a people person. So they're on the same, you know, sort of team within a team, but those are two entirely different teammates. Right. Yeah. And there's no question that sometimes you go to a dental practice and the person greeting you looks like they're not enjoying themselves. And they really, (laughs) I mean, they just look like they don't really want to be there. And it's just unfortunate for that hardworking dentist uh, in the back office that's breaking his or her neck to do a procedure and build their practice because they really care. And then you have this person in the front who's just not very nice and, and it alienates new patients and it doesn't help them grow their practice. What happens if you get someone who's doing the books in the back that's really a people person also? You have them run to the front desk and do the books and have them run back and forth? or That's probably not a good idea. Well, I'll tell you, though, but you raise a really interesting <laughs> point. So... Um... Running back and forth may not be the most efficient, but imagine that you hire somebody who's really social mm-hmm. and then we position them at a place in the practice where we isolate them. Right. And imagine coming to work all day, every day, and all you want to do is be around the group and interact. And we've sort of sequestered them. It's a recipe for disaster. And then, you know, then you and I think like, oh, my God, like, um, you know, David or Susie or whoever, like they're just the worst teammate in the whole world. I don't know, or maybe maybe we just set them up to to fail. So I think the more time we invest in really understanding who each team member is and and what their strengths are, um, the more successful we'll be. So I don't know if you if you've ever read um, any of the Gallup studies and, and the research on strength finders. Yeah, I've read Gallup studies, but not on that topic. So so the simple message to this is if you look at engaged teams uh, in any business, but including dentistry, if you have people who spend the bulk of their time working in an area of natural strength, so if they're a people person, they're around people, if they're a task person, they do, you know, they check lists all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, that person who's highly engaged in an area of strength is 73% um, more engaged compared to a 9% engagement of somebody that we're asking to do things that maybe they're just inherently not that great at, you know, and then think about, think about, a, um, a t- you know, a tandem in a dental practice. So a dentist and an assistant and think about the dentist who might be a um, kind of a dominating personality or a highly analytical personality 
And then think of the patient in the chair who really needs to be comforted, who really needs to be, you know, step by step walked through a procedure and needs things to slow down a little bit. You know, that dentist really needs to have a partner in crime on the dental assistant side who can be that um, that soft spoken person who can take it down and who can really make somebody feel at ease and or or vice versa. So, you know, the cool thing about understanding all this is it's not about changing who you are necessarily. It's about understanding who you are, but it's about making sure that we have a very well balanced team that's representative of each of these four styles so we can maximize each other's strengths in order to have you know one unified practice that fires on all cylinders at all times yeah that's a very good point so how do you determine what the behavioral style of the patient is so that you could make sure you have a dental team member work with that patient and and not you know frighten them with an, a super high level analytical type dentist sure so you know we start right on our very first phone call and although it's important to, uh, you know, make sure we have somebody's, you know, the typical information and the name and a social, and if they have, you know, an urgent need, we get them in right away. Our focus on the phone really isn't that. Our focus on the phone is to understand first and foremost, is this a people person or a task-driven person? Hmm. Um, if, and, and there are simple things we can ask. You know, most of our patients come to us because they they learned about us a certain way. So maybe they were referred by another patient. That old adage of, you know, birds of a feather flock together. So we may not know the person who's calling, but we sure as heck know the person who sent them here. And they're probably similar people. And as we start to develop um, an inkling of who this maybe new patient caller is, we can ask a really simple question and say, hey, you know, David, you know, thanks so much for calling. We understand that Phil sent you here. You know, do you have a couple minutes so we can make sure you have the same great experience Phil had? Mm-hmm. And a people person is always going to find time to have that conversation. And a task-driven person may not want to find time. So they're probably going to tell us no. And then our next question simply needs to be, okay, is it no because they're just in the middle of 100 things? Or is it no? Right. And, you know, you know, you can follow up with, well, okay, is there a better time? And if you hear no, if you, if you hear no two or three times to, I really don't want to have this conversation with you over the phone, you, you already have a head start to know who this new patient is. And then when they come in, you can ask more questions and dig deeper and dig deeper. And, and by the time they actually sit in the treatment room, when you get really good at this, you, you really know who they are. That's fascinating stuff. So you profile them in some ways and then you document this so that, Anybody that's interacting with that patient knows the behavioral style before the interaction. Is that, is that right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, yeah, that, that's phenomenal. You do a little detective work. You know, this makes total sense because we had another um, podcast uh, that was done by Dr. Marvin Fear, who's a um, really bright guy, and he talks about case acceptance. And one of the things he's, he talks about is very often the dentist gives the patient way more information than they really want. <laughs> and if, and again, what behavioral style would that fit into if a patient doesn't really want to hear all the information, they just want, they know they need something, they trust the doctor, and they're willing to get it done. They just want to get it done quickly, painlessly, and get back to their life. What behavioral style is that? 
So, so there's two of them that come to mind. The, the, the dominant one is just that. It's a dominant personality style. So they want to know what's the problem, what's the fix, how long is it going to take, and what happens if I don't do it? Mm-hmm. And then as a, exactly. as a the presenter, it's stop talking. <laughs> right. That, that's, that's amazing. And also, how much does it cost? They'll probably ask yeah, that exactly. question, too. Yeah. Yep. Those dentists that don't follow these guidelines and they don't go into the depth of understanding and they don't take the time into understanding the behavioral style of not only their patients, but their staff, they, what happens to those offices ultimately? You know, ultimately, I think in today's world where we have to be, um, we have to put a premium on relationship building is their case acceptance goes way down. Their, uh, their team turnover goes way up mm-hmm. and, you know, people don't, people don't leave a, a practice, you know, they leave the boss, they leave the leader and, and patients don't say no because they, they don't want great care. They say no, cause they don't understand. So right. we, you know, I, the only thing I can tell you is this, I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of dental practices over the last 20 years. And if you master this skill set your treatment acceptance rate will go through the roof. Just so the audience knows, is there any uh, services that you offer that could help their practice uh, follow these guidelines and, and perform better? You know, we do. So, and, and I look at this much like um, the styles itself is if you're somebody who wants to learn more in a, a group setting and, and you want to learn over time, uh, we run a program called Fast Track, and this is a major component of that Fast Track program. If, on the other hand, you're in a practice where you feel like, boy, I just want some personal attention, and with my team, my specific team, we do run in-office programs that are targeted to um, your specific practice on how to integrate. Okay, and do you have a website, David, that you can mention so they can look you up if they want more information? Absolutely. It's um, ignitedds.com. So if the listener wants to go there and then get a hold of me, it'll, there's, you know, a contact us just like all other websites. But if you go to ignitedds.com and just hit contact us, um, you know, and mention this, I'm, I'm happy to help. It's, I, I love this stuff. Yeah. It sounds like you do. I have one last question before we end this podcast. So if a dentist has a certain personality, like you mentioned analytical, for instance, and they have a patient that comes in the office who is a people person. You don't really recommend that they become a chameleon type doctor where they change their personality, which is um, not natural for them. So they're not naturally a people person, but they adapt to becoming a people person. Would that work in the interaction between the, the doctor and the patient? Because they, they have to deal with the patient. They can't just have the assistant who's the people person do all the communications? Yeah, that's a tremendous question. So one thing for everyone to understand is in reality, each of us is made up of all four styles. We tend to have one and and sometimes two styles that sort of come to the forefront based on where we are. So work versus home, for example, and where we are in life. Are we 20, 30, 40, 50, 60? So I'll so there's, you know, our, our behavior is sort of multifactorial, but um, what I would say, the people who learn this skill set do very, very well, is they learn to, 
they learn to soften their dominant style in order to get in harmony with the patient or, or you know, employee that's sitting across the table from them. And not that they chameleon, because I don't ever want anyone to be somebody they're not, mm-hmm. but they learn to soften their dominant style and they learn to just um, ask questions instead of telling people things. And unfortunately, like, like we all got here by telling the right answer on every single exam. So, <laughs> you know, we're so accustomed to do like, that's the right thing to do. But right. the, the more you can stop telling and you can start asking, most of the time patients will let us know what they want and how they'd like it. And we mm-hmm. just have to listen to them. Yeah, fantastic. No, that's been, this has been great. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Rice. David Rice, we're talking to, who um, runs an organization called Ignite DDS, and uh, the, the website is ignitedds.com. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so we talked about that before. Please tune in for more podcasts from Dr. Rice. And uh, David, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me.